It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike, we got Max, we got Shane, and we are in three different locations, but we're getting together because we want to bring you, the listeners, some of that uh, Best Hang content that you've uh, come to know and hopefully love. Uh, how do we start, fellas? It's been a lot of movies over the holidays, a lot of hangs. We had a pub mm. crawl. Uh, I, you know, We talked about your birthday last episode. What else has been going on, gang? The band is actually in the studio cooking up a little something fun um that i can't probably talk about yet so yeah. i gotta go to the studio and do some vocals later today but i went to the rappers game last night actually which was very fun uh, denver denver we got our asses kicked right like well they made a run in the back end there they got it to like to, to seven i think or something like that in the last three minutes so it, there was a chance you know scott yeah, played great i was invited uh, by some some folks that have really good seats and don't you hate it when you're watching the game from TV and you see those assholes in, in, in the platinums that aren't there, you know, at the top of the third quarter, maybe even in the fourth, cause they're down in, you know, the mm. lounge in dinner, you know, those guys. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was me yesterday. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, we, um, we left the last episode on, Leave the world behind. And I've been dying to talk about this with you guys because I feel like we can make this a bit into a movie podcast. There's so many good movies this time of year, as we know. It's awards season. And it just reminds me every time I go to the movies, like the experience is 1,000 times better. Like, I don't know if I can sit through a movie really by myself, like at home. And I'm always surprised when I hear Mike being like, yeah, I banged out a movie on the bus or like at lunchtime at ginger while I was eating like my foe. <laughs> and like, I just like watched three episodes or something. I'm like, how does he do it? Um, but I, but I love going to see movies that are going to be on Netflix in like two weeks, but seeing them in theaters first. So obviously we talked about, did we talk about May, December on the pod? 
No, because yeah. I haven't seen it yet. We uh, so, it. Okay, no. we talked about it uh, for a bit, just how much you loved it, and then yeah. uh, went into like the the history of it. Mike was actually he started deep diving the teacher as <laughs> talking about it, and you took offense to that. But I, oh, I have right. movie since, and to your point, Max, I got so distracted at home watching that that <laughs> shit. I need to see movies in theaters now mm. however the movie we're talking about right now what's leave the world behind it's so captivating yeah. in years i hadn't felt like i've been immersed in a movie like truly immersed where i forgot i was watching a movie set it up mike well okay so so my experience is first of all i, I listen these movies where it's either the, the the end of the world or the collapse of society or some sort of natural disaster those movies and there hasn't been really a, a great one in a long time like if you go back to like the day after tomorrow uh uh uh, uh what was that other one the 2012 with john cusack there was like a huge string of these types of movies where things are sort of coming in society's collapsing uh you know i haven't seen one in a very long time and i haven't seen a like a movie that to me stands up uh, in science fiction sort of way or a thriller way, uh, story-wise, as much as it does with the sort of big set pieces or the exciting stuff like a building falling down or some grand sort of moment. So when this trailer came out and it's Sam uh, Esmel, who is the guy that did this show called uh, Mr. Robot, which is like sort of a cool, hip, cyber hacking type thing with Rami Malek. Uh, it was like, it's him doing it. He also did a, a show called Homecoming with Julia Roberts, which was mm. which was, which was was great. So when this trailer came out, Ethan Hawke, Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, uh, Kevin Bacon in a smaller part, I was like so excited. I'm like, this trailer's a banger. I like the subject matter. I like the, the auteur that's doing it. Uh, I'm like, I can't wait. So on the pod, Max, when you said I've seen this show, this movie in the theaters, I was like, oh, don't say a word. I've intentionally not read anything about it. Long story long comes out on Netflix. And now the thing about Netflix is it drops, it's coming out like on a Friday or whatever. And they come out on like, you think midnight, but it's actually 3am because on the West coast, they hold it back. So it's midnight, you know, mm -hmm. West coast time. So I put in Winona to bed and I woke up that did that thing where it was like, it's like, Oh God, I fell asleep putting her to bed and I woke up at 2am. And I was like, shit, this is the night that leave the world behind comes out. I'm like, am I actually going to stay up and watch this? Like, cause I was so excited to watch it. And I was like, are you really, are you not? And I was like, fuck it. I had a shower. <laughs> I came down to the basement. I threw it on. And from basically like three 30, until 5 30 i watched leave the world behind which was the perfect way to consume it because you know you got mm -hmm. that weird kind of mindset when it's that late at night and it's kind of like you're displaced in time and for our listeners this movie is essentially you should just watch it without a description and this was that took me a good 20 minutes to get there uh on what's going to be a short pod yeah yeah <laughs> but the movie is essentially uh you are unaware of what's happening but all of our the sort of pillars of our technology collapse like the, the, the basically we can't use our cell phones the internet is down uh there is no way of sort of communicating or connecting in the in the way that we do in the modern world and then all of these other sort of i guess we say spoiler alerts these extraordinary things start to happen like ships because they, they 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 are they are run aground you know they come out of the ocean and up into the beaches and planes are flying out of the sky and all this stuff sort of happens sequentially and gradually builds and builds and builds and you're just sort of immersed in this thing and you're like what is happening what is the answer and you're seeing it through the lens of julia roberts and ethan hawk and their two kids are at an airbnb uh outside of like uh, new york city or whatever like across you know, somewhere like the hamptons and, sort of like outside of the city yeah 100 percent. in the middle of the night uh mahersha ali and his daughter knock on the door and they say hey we were in the city at a thing but all the power went out essentially. And so we decided to come here to our Airbnb. We own this place. There's a little bit of obviously like racist tension where like the Julia Roberts character is kind of like, 
we're, we're not letting these people there. We, we, we want to stay. We'll stay in the basement. We don't really have anyone else to go. And this is our place after all. He's like, they're like, we'll split your, you know, we'll, we'll cut the fee down in half for what you paid to stay here. She's kind of like, are they scamming us? What's going on? A- anyway, there's a lot going on in the movie aside from just sort of like, it's a relationships movie, but it's also this sort of extraordinary and titillating sort of uh, fall of society movie. That, and that would be my, my, my description, mm. which again, was a very long winded <clears throat> one, but no, uh, was, I like the setup that it actually kind of reminded me of like a better version of don't look up. It, like taking on these like really big societal yeah. themes. Right and on. I really disliked Don't Look Up. Um, I thought it was they tried to take on too much. And I think generally as like a rule of storytelling, and I think about this as it relates to songwriting, is if you're trying to take on like a really big issue in a story, it's actually best to go as small as possible. And in Don't Look Up, there's so many different characters and there's so many different setups. And it's like, it's like, like we're in the war room and then we're in someone's house. And then like we're kind of jumping around from person to person to person to person to try to get like the breadth of what's happening. But it's actually more effective, I think, in storytelling just to keep it like, let's talk about four people. Let's keep it as small as possible. And that will do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I think the other thing uh, related to the Ethan Hawke uh, mention, first of all, we, we all love Ethan Hawke. I love him so much. Ash loves him. I think I just get so much out of him as, as an actor and as a thinker. But he was so much funnier than anything in Don't Look Up that I can recall. Because I know Adam hmm. McKay directed Don't Look Up and Adam McKay is known as a comedy guy. The one-liners coming from Ethan Hawke and his facial expressions in the moments were so genuinely funny. The archetype of Brooklyn dad who cannot use his hands and is just quoting stuff from the Atlantic and the New Yorker was so good and so me. I was like, this is exactly what I would do. I I try to de-escalate things by talking about an article I read recently. And it's like while planes are falling out of the sky and like <laughs> Teslas are like driving into one another, driverless Teslas are driving. You know what I mean? Like he was so good. And um, I really liked it that, you know, there's some turns that you were expecting the movie to make you're like okay who who's sort of the evil who's the villain who's the person who's out for no good whenever it actually had some humanity like whenever you thought it was going to go like Mahershala's character or are they devious Kevin Bacon okay he's an angry guy is what's you know is are the are Julia Roberts is she going to just reveal herself to be the ultimate Karen and then by the end of the movie it kind of settled into a sweeter place and it kind of actually despite yeah. Despite it all, you kind of had some hope in humanity. You know, I thought well, I don't know. the way it ended, by the way, last thing I'll say, it is so hard to end a fucking movie these days. Um, I feel like there's so many great movies from this year that have had odd or less than great endings. And I love the final scene. I think he worked backwards from the ending and that because it is a fantastic ending. And I think once you as like a writer or filmmaker, I think once he had it in his brain, he's like he knows that's an amazing hammer. And you work back from there and then sort of plant the seeds throughout with mm-hmm. the, the, the young daughter character. You're going to say something, Shane? Oh, just like what I thought they did really well was uh, so often in the movie, they're setting up things where you as an audience member are guessing what's going to happen. And then they would use Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts to kind of talk through every thought you've had as an audience member and mm. acknowledge that we're thinking this, too, as filmmakers. We know what you're thinking as an audience. So we want to say it out loud to let you know that it's probably not what you're thinking. So then you're like, what the fuck could it be if it's not all those things they just laundry listed? Because Alex and I were having a real-time debate of whether Mahershala Ali was a a good guy or a bad guy and whether he was, you know, breaking into the liquor cabinet or if he really had the key. 
And they're literally Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts characters going through all the reasons he could or can't be a thief. Anyway, I thought they did that really well. And sometimes to like um, a comedic extent, like when Mahershala Ali's telling the story about he has this friend in a very high up position and he might be part of like an evil cabal or something. And then you're kind of like eye rolling while you're watching this. You're like, that's the explanation. And then he's like, but of course, this would be far too simple of an explanation. <laughs> like, and then that's kind of a big laughing point to just let the audience in on it, on everything. Like, I thought that was like probably the best case of like expositional dialogue that I'd ever seen. You know, another another um, moment in the script uh, that really stood out because Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's company, they're one of the producers on it. And there's a line in it. And I wonder if it was in the book because it's all based on a book or if it was added later in the script was uh, I think Mahershala's character says, you know, like the most powerful people in the world, they can't even stop it. They yeah. just know a little bit ahead of time. They get a heads up. Yeah. They get they get heads up. And I was like, oh, is, did Obama write that or something? Because that's how it feels, right? It's like when it comes to big time shit, it's not like the president of the United States can actually do something if they're cyber hackers. You know, they're at the whim of everybody else. Yeah, how he, he was explaining the scariest thing in the world isn't the fact that there is this evil cabal that can control yeah. everything. It's that there isn't and that they don't know. Nobody knows when something catastrophic can happen. The best they can get is a heads up. And that's what's kind of truly terrifying. It's like the, the lack of control we all have. I just even the, the, the dialogue when Mahershala Ali is telling that story and he's like, you know, and I got a call from this guy and I made a joke like, oh, join it because he wants to pull all his money out real quick when he was at, you know, that night before everything went down, his rich, the, the guy that was his client, Mahershala Ali's client. He's explaining that story where he's like, he called and he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I need all my money moved around or whatever. And Mahershala, he goes, and I said, like, as a joke, I'm like, oh, you, you going to meet up with the cabal again or whatever, that evil cabal. And he's like, and this guy didn't laugh. He goes, and he laughs at everything, even bad jokes, you know, and he, but he didn't laugh. He just said, take care of yourself. That was so like, that just painted such a strong mm. picture of the relationship there. Uh, Marshall Lee's characters, like sort of insight into that guy's character, that guy truly being scared and not even doing the nicety that like maybe like charismatic rich people would have to laugh at mm -hmm. any bullshit joke. It was just like, no, this is kind of the we're going into a, a bad stretch of time and a noble stretch of time. Um, the movie was so to me good and absorbing and sort of like it's been a long time since I've been in a movie where, like you said, like you think you kind of know what's happening, but you don't. And then you're just like, I'm enjoying this ride and what's going to happen next. And you're letting it unfold. I did that thing with like 20 minutes left where I checked how much time was left. Cause I was like, I want this movie to keep going. I want like another two hours in this world. And, and I was like, Oh, there's only like 20, 15 minutes left. I'm like, we're not going to get like resolution in a certain way. I'm like, but I don't mind. I'm like, I'm just here. And then obviously the way it resolved with um, the friends of it all, what did we think of weaving the friends in and out? And the fact that Julia Roberts had been on Friends and she had dated Matthew Perry, yeah. <laughs> which was kind of a fun little meta meta bit. But uh, yeah, I the I mean, yeah, I just I, the minute so I finished the movie at like five thirty or six in the morning, and I just start sending off texts. I'm like, <laughs> leave the world. I'm just telling everybody I want to spread the word. Like, leave the world behind is a fucking banger. You like you have to. I just want to be like I want everyone to see it so I can talk about it with people. Um, and what's crazy about this movie, I'll say, what's interesting is. Uh, and honestly, there's been some, you know, mixed opinion. Like obviously Maxie, you liked it. Shaney really liked it. But then I was out for drinks with like our buddies, uh, uh, Dawson and, and, and Felix at, at odds actually. Mm -hmm. 
And Got they it. were, they were, they were kind of lukewarm. And I found that that a couple of people have been really lukewarm on it. Um, but I knew that the movie was sort of becoming a thing because <laughs> me and Danica were going to watch May, December, uh, based on your recommendation, Max I was like, Oh, let's watch May, December somewhere. She's like, okay. So we're going to, we didn't end up doing it. And then like a day later, she was like, uh, Oh, and after I watched Leave Her Behind that morning at breakfast, I was telling her about it. I was like, I just watched this movie. I'm like, it was fucking, it was awesome. I sort of explained it. Cause I knew she, it's not sort of movie she'd ever watch, but she, but then a week later, she's like, Hey, tonight, can we watch, uh, that movie you were talking about. And I was like, yeah, sure. She's like, no, 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 not the, not the one about the teacher. She's like the other one about the, I was like, but like the world ending. She's like, yeah. I was like, whoa. And she's like, yeah. She's like, I got messages from like three different people saying it was awesome that they've watched it. And I was like, wow. I'm like, I guess the movie's out there in the world doing its work. Well, I would say though, as well, just generally as a rule, I don't trust anybody's opinion about anything these days if they said they didn't like it because if they said they didn't like it or if it was a no no not that if, if you actively dislike something i will believe you but if you go yeah it didn't really do much for me i go were you paying attention i just don't trust that anybody's paying attention like you, like if you watch something at home and you go yeah i'm sort of lukewarm on it then i'm like i don't trust you you have kids you're looking at your phone you weren't immersed <laughs> in it do you know what i mean like, yeah like like yeah. If, if you said if you saw it in the theater and you said yeah, it didn't really do much for me, then I would believe you. But I just wouldn't trust anybody. Any dad at home, I just wouldn't trust. <laughs> dad. Um, um, <laughs> let's just say for parody. But okay, if okay, if anyone um, says that movie was too vague, that's where I don't respect the opinion. That's why when Mike was saying that Sean and, and Felix were saying the ending was a little vague on what happened. To me, it's like Mahershala Ali pretty much put it on a, a platter. What is likely going on and kevin bacon's character gave clues to suggest that what mahershala ali is saying is going on is probably the case so what's going on again i forget <laughs> that like it, to save money on like uh military well wait we can't actually we don't yeah. want to spoil the whole ending no we? no so for, for listeners basically mahershala ali has sort of a, a a dialogue a scene sort of right near the end before the sort of big ending and he basically sort of gives his theory on what he thinks is happening but it's it's as plausible as anything and you kind of buy it and then there's enough clues along the way like shane says that, yeah that, like kevin bacon kind of says it to be almost true he almost confirms the theory totally but i think for a lot of people that watch an action movie or like a uh, a movie like this a thriller that they want they want concrete resolution like if you're somebody that's into like a tom Mm. cruise movie like so if you're sitting at home if you're just a you know just some couple you're 28 you're like let's throw on a movie and they like popcorn movies it's like it's like they're gonna watch mission impossible they're gonna get told a story they're gonna get a beginning a middle and an end in a conventional way of resolution they'll be told this is who caused the cyber outage this is who's attacking us this is probably this is what's going to happen sort of going forward and this is the this is the resolution of what the characters we just spent two hours with this is how it ends for them whether it's happy or sad we get answers we get definitive answers this movie doesn't do that it gives you enough and i think what makes it yeah. clever and it is it and what makes it sort of a, unique and cool is it's not john cusack and his love and amanda pete i think is in that movie and their kid at the end of 2012 on the sort of safe ship sailing away like that doesn't happen in this this isn't that kind of movie but i think for some people and if you look at twitter that they find that frustrating they're like wait i didn't get i didn't get resolution on this mm. this this or this and you know Simple and, and i yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah, know. It's preference, different preference. <laughs> well, okay. If it was like a Sofia Coppola ending, where it's just some artistic thing where the credits roll, and it seems like what that's like a scene feels like it's missing. This was as close to being as a definitive ending without it actually spoon feeding it to you. So if anyone's saying it's vague, that feels like such an odd criticism. Like I don't. I, I, think, 
I have one criticism actually of the movie. And uh, do you guys have any criticisms? Because I have one. A good one, but you go first. Um, you could say this is small potatoes and it kind of is small potatoes, uh, but it just feels like it's such a missed opportunity because I love the way it's filmed. I love the cinematography. They do all these like tricky shots where it starts, the camera starts on its side and then, yeah. you know, turns yeah. and is corrected. And I love the sound of the score. I love the mood. I love everything. I thought the opening credits were so goofy because when it opens, it's like this feel good hip hop song with like some just like kind of like clever graphics. I'm like, what are like, I was like, oh, it's this kind of movie. I like because those kind of movies, like when, when it's like feel good time, it was like, is this the opening of like a J-Lo movie going into the city to work a nightclub or some shit? Like that's <laughs> kind of how it felt to me. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie was the perfect tone. I was like, why the fuck are we opening the movie like this? Because it made me take the movie yes. way less seriously off the top. And I was like, why? Everything about it is so artful and so on point. Except for, and by the way, like this, the song itself is a totally fine song. It just like did not yeah. match the tone of the rest of the movie at all. No offense to J-Lo going into the city, working in a nightclub. That kind of movie can be great too. But What was that movie called? There was a movie I don't that know. came out where she was a stripper. It was like kind yeah. of a big movie. She thought she was going to nominate for an Oscar for it. Hustlers. Yeah, yeah. It felt yeah. like Hustlers. a comedy that came out re recently with Julia Louise Dreyfus. It felt like it would be the opening song for that film. Yeah, or the um, what's the Jonah Hill movie? Uh, you people like that thing, that's, right? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, and honestly, I mean, it's a, it's it's it 100 notable because I did I did take note, but with stuff like that, sometimes it's like obviously it's a stylistic choice. He is so meticulous in his choices. He didn't do it randomly. He probably did it to throw us off or to get off kilter. The way that the world can lull you into a certain sense of like wow. feeling a certain way uh -huh. and then shift on you suddenly. Like he's obviously messing with moods. And whatever his choice, I don't know why he did it, but he, it, I guarantee it was intentional. Well, the camera movement was getting me dizzy. So early I'm like, I've got a theory that uh, the world is subtly off its axis and gravity is shifting. That's what the place. Ah. And then when I saw the satellite shut off at the one point, I'm like, I'm right. Oh my God. Like the satellites are going out of orbit, which of course, you know, I wasn't even close to being right, but I thought the filmmaking was leading us towards that, you know, gravity is getting off in some sort of, but just enough to fuck up the world. Okay. Here's a question. Um, Ash just sent me the Rotten Tomato score. Have you guys seen it? I don't, I want to, I want you, I want you to have a guess. I saw it like a week ago, two weeks ago. What, what's it at now? So the tomato score, the tomato meter, which is certified reviews, 75%. Which is perfect. like, okay. That's perfect. Audience score? What do you think, Shane? Ooh, okay, it's either 40 or 90. I'll say 40. 34. I'm shocked. Oh. Yeah. But what the is ending. there not to like about this movie? It's the uh -huh. ending. People want resolution. People want resolution. And this movie does not provide it. I, what I think is people are misinterpreting this movie as a political movie somehow. And it's making some comment. And it's got into some troll Reddit forum who they've released the hounds to some extent. Because there's mm. no enough people who actually watch the movie would give it a 34 people probably think it's commenting on trump in some way or the opposite <laughs> someone has to send on that <laughs> that's that's a good theory too yeah there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, yeah. let's let's move along to Poor Things because this is another movie which I, I just saw in theaters two days ago. So Crazy. it's quite yeah. fresh. Crazy. It, we, we all just saw it in theaters, right? We did, yeah. Okay. And go ahead. Just go ahead. Ask, did you guys like okay, I saw this movie alone in the middle of the day, and I I felt like the biggest pervert in the world <laughs> watching it. I felt like I was gonna be arrested. I was looking <laughs> almost like the feeling. You get if you watch a sex scene with your parents, like it's so like it was bordering on uncomfortable. Did you guys feel that in any way, or is that just you know? I I think it's just you, Shane, because uh, so the movie stars uh, Emma Stone. Uh, do I do you set up the movie, Mike? Because you're good at that. Yeah, and, sure. And then I'll answer your question, Shane. This yeah, is yeah. like this is like a big uh, like sort of art house, interesting like like film festival type movie vibe, and essentially stars Emma Stone a bit like a Frankenstein type character mm-hmm. where this sort of mad genius doctor uh, played by Willem Dafoe sort of creates this, this character. I won't give away too much, but essentially he finds a way to sort of like take a body and sort of puts a, a brain in it. And he's essentially like, you, you're like, what is the deal with her sort of off the top? And you kind of realize she's learning in real time. And it's because she's sort of been reanimated and, and he's sort of created this person. And basically you follow the Emma Stone character's journey from essentially being an infant, you know what I mean? Even though she's in a full grown woman's body to sort of uh, becoming self-aware and learning at this super rapid pace and becoming super sentient and smart. And you just, you follow her odyssey over two hours uh, in, in her life, uh, you know, it's sort of, I don't know how many years of her life, four years of her life or whatever. And then we get sort of resolution, but that's the sort of story, her going mm-hmm. out into the world, her starting in this sort of mad lab, this scientist creating her, and then her encountering the world through the eyes of basically like a, uh, an, an innocent or somebody that's the, that's the movie's trick is mm-hmm. it's essentially, it's a mirror back on ourselves, but through the eyes of like, if we didn't have, if you, if you didn't come from the constructs of society, of politeness, of all of these weird yeah. traditions we have, and you just sort of were like taking it in like a child, essentially, uh, but in an adult sort of frame, uh, what would it look like? How would it be? Uh, what, it, what is the nature of man seen through her eyes? So that's sort of the, the thing, what Shane is referring to and what I did not know. So I had messaged. So I went and saw it on like Monday. So this, this week, like at work, that sort of couple days leading up to Christmas, couple days uh, after Christmas. There's like, there's no one in the office. This is like famously sort of like a, 
get inspired, go watch a movie at a matinee back before anyone had kids. Uh, you'd hit the bar at around four o'clock in the afternoon. Like it was a fun time. So this is a real movie time. So Matt Unsworth's in town. Nobody else was really around. I was, I was like, I'm going to go see a nooner. So I text Unzi and I'm like, Hey, you want to go see poor things? He writes back. Um, he's like, I don't think I could see it again. He's like, but I was shocked at how naked Emma Stone was throughout. She really goes for it. So right there, I'm like, okay, now I'm expecting a not very good movie. Out of smoke, you're just gone. After the- <laughs> <laughs> <Gotta> go. <laughs> um, I'm expecting a not very good movie, which is good because expectations are everything. Um, because if I expected something amazing, it, I probably would have been disappointed. But I expected, okay, something mediocre. And I was like, now I was like, now I'm kind of curious about how much sort of graphic nudity or whatever this is going to be. And so I would kind of, in some ways, I wish I hadn't texted him because I would have liked to have just taken it in completely without sort of warning. Uh, but how did you guys sort of like experience the movie? Okay, so the reason which, the way you just explained it, how it's like essentially a child's brain put into this attractive woman's body added to my feeling like a criminal while watching it because it's essentially a four-year-old is fucking all these people. And Emma Stone also, although she's very beautiful and everything, I have her in the category in my mind of someone I should not see naked, maybe like the male equivalent. dignity. It might be like Michael Sarah. Like I feel like I should never see Michael Sarah nude with an erection. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to add the erection? Okay, anyway. Well, because that's a sexual act. Michael Sarah nude in a shower, I might see, but Emma Stone, like fucking, I'm just <laughs> not ready to see that as a person with a four-year-old brain added in. I'm like, is, and it felt like, is this pedophilia at this point? Like, how did they get away with this trick? Obviously, you couldn't do it in reverse with like a 30-something and a four-year-old body doing this, but why is mine? I'm just thinking all these questions while watching it, and it felt like I was going to get dragged out of the theater. Well, what were you feeling uh, watching this movie? Well, it, it, well, first of all, it was unclear um, in her brain development how old she is when she discovers yeah. orgasms. So you're just like, okay, so maybe she's six, maybe she's 11, like in her brain. Obviously, she's like in – but yeah, you're right. It is odd. But because it was set up that way and because she's such an odd character to begin with, despite the fact she is like literally naked like three quarters of the movie and having <laughs> sex for like half of the movie and like full everything – um, and she at one point is a, a prostitute in a Paris brothel. Like despite all these things that like typically, you know, if there's a beautiful Hollywood starlet who's naked having sex, like despite that normally being a thing that every guy would go, oh, this is this is going to be a fun movie. It didn't feel sexual at all to me. Like I was just like it was so normal. Like I was not a turn on or anything. I was just like. <laughs> This is actually just a really interesting character development. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. wrong. I love a celebrity nude scene just as much as anybody does. Really. That's the name of this episode. Yeah. yeah. No, but, it, um, but this one, I was just like, it felt mm-hmm. like I was um, imagine like being a doctor and having to look at somebody's naked body. But it, it felt very. It all felt very business. Or it, it all felt very clinical. To your point, it all felt so clinical. And and okay, the, for me, I've never. I can't recall an experience of going to a movie where I actively hated the movie for the first hour so much to the degree that I was like, fuck it. I'm taking a nap. I looked over Ash and book club. Maddie are also napping. I'm like, this movie sucks. (laughs) It's all this Tim Burton shit where it's like, Oh, there's a pig with the head of a chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then also it's like, why is he blowing these weird bubbles out of his mouth? Like at the dinner table, I'm yeah. like, I fucking hate this. Is this really what we have signed? And it's black and white. I'm like, 
fuck this movie. What a fucking waste of time. And I was literally thinking, who is paying for this shit? Who is giving the green light on whatever astronomical budget? Because it's an expensive looking movie. Who is like who is responsible for this? I, I and, and I was actually even thinking about you, Mike. Where I was like, oh well, okay. I know not every movie's for me. Mike likes a bunch of shit that I don't care care about at all, like <laughs> Star Trek or whatever. And I'm like, well, maybe the. But I was like, I don't even think this kind of movie. And like, I guess Tim Burton's sort of popular. But I'm like, who is the audience? For this movie and then at around the hour mark i don't know 75 minutes is a long movie by the way it turns to color and she starts to develop and she's going on this journey and she gets out of the old creepy house and she's you know in portugal and then she's in greece and then she's in paris and the set pieces are amazing and she turns into the most grounded self-aware a person with her own sense of determination, self-determination. And she's actually in, she becomes in charge and, and she actually like, there's something super like feminist about the movie. I want to say, and maybe, of course, uh, you know, about her, like understanding her own sexuality, what's important to her. It was like a really amazing coming of age movie. And by the yeah. end of the movie, I'm like, do I fucking love this movie? Do yeah. I think this movie is amazing? And I just can't recall a movie where I fucking hated it so much. To me, I'm like, yeah, solid eight out of ten. Maybe even more the, the way I think about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, yeah. And and the other thing which is amazing is that Ash sent the um the Netflix uh reviews. What do you think that what do you think they are? Because by the oh. way, I think this movie, by the way, is so much more challenging yes. than Leave the World Behind, like as a viewer. Like I like if you were sort of unhappy with Leave the World Behind and you thought it was a little too eh, what's going on here? In my mind, poor, poor, poor things, poor young things, poor, poor things is way more challenging. What do you think um, the reviews are and what do you think the audience star score is, Shane? I think this is critic bait. So this would be in the 90s for critics. Audience, it has a lot of nudity. So I figure that can trick the dummies into liking it. Like, <laughs> um, So I think it's like a troll group liking it in the audience thing. So I would say 90-something critics. 70 audience. Mike? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. That's what I would have guessed. Okay. 93 credit critics. You're right, Shane. Are you, ready for, are you ready for audience score? Yeah. 95. 95! Wow. Okay. Well, then okay. For sure, the pe- the perverts have descended on this movie. <laughs> the pervert on... Also, it's also... Here's the other thing. The amount of, like, people that would actually... Like the movie's only in theaters. Like Leave the World Behind has such a larger uh, voting base of audience score. There's probably only like uh, 500 people who have actually voted on poor things who have actually gone to a theater. My theater was dead empty. I had like three other people in that theater. Good point. You're right. The people are who are seeking this out to watch it are oh, true. lovers. Smart. This guy did The Lobster, The Favorite, all these like critical darling films. So it's a very... Uh, you know, Toronto, New York audience seeing this. Um, I, should I see The Lobster or The Favorite? I haven't seen either. Great. All, favorite's great. Yeah. See everything this guy's done. He's one of the most exciting new directors. And I love the fact he's only 50, which he, I'm not joking. Like 50's not old in directing world. So I'm happy we might get like four or five more movies out of this guy. That's so cool. What an ambitious movie though. It's, uh, yes. oh my God. Like there's some movies 
like by the way, this shows my like supreme confidence in myself. There's some movies that I can imagine doing, like Leave the World Behind. You know, I could probably do that one pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick something more basic than that. No, no, movie. no. But, but there's some movies I'm like, yeah, I, I could, I can construct that, no problem. And there's other movies that I go, where did this, where is this guy's mind? Like, where is, like, how did you possibly imagine it? And that's it, uh, poor things is in that category. I'm like, it's just like so superhuman or something i don't know <laughs> but oh but okay speaking of emma stone mm-hmm. speak and speaking of turnarounds i had little interest in emma stone um i don't i've always sort of been annoyed um with her as an actress she always was a bit much and also i didn't even really like her face do you know what i mean yeah. like there, yeah i was yeah. you know it's just like your face annoys me you're just a you're a tryhard actor and I don't like your roles and your face annoys me. And so I didn't think I was much of an Emma Stone fan, I, but I'm only telling you this now because after four things and watching uh, the curse, I'm, I go to ask, I'm like, is Emma Stone the actress of our generation? Is she the best actress like in the world right now? And I really, and I'm just so impressed by her and the, the role that she has in the curse is like, She's so fucking good in it. And I was like, this person is acting her ass off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the so two roles. Was nudity that, that you <laughs> no, 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 no. I was having the feeling in the curse because in the curse. You know, because Max, no, and Max, I got to no, say. No, no, no. I had it in the curse. In the curse. Before... The way that you described the p- poor things is you were saying it was the worst movie you ever saw. And the minute it became color, which is right when she had sex for the first time, <laughs> is when the movie <laughs> turned around for you. Well, and she's Max, great in those scenes too, but it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It was, it was, it was, it was the self-determination by the end of the 2021 thing. 2021 was the voyage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke though. Oh, okay. That's a joke in a group text that we don't put on the pod, boys. <laughs> oh, okay. um, speaking of the curse, uh, we'll, we'll get back to Emma Stone and whether she's the actress of our generation. And if she's pulled off things, like I, sometimes I think of, Sometimes I think of Anne Hathaway watching Emma Stone's Ascension oh, and just going, oh my God. God damn it, that was supposed to be me. But back to the curse. Did you send, by the way, that 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 tweet of that? It's like Emma Stone never is like an unschooled actress and she never went to Juilliard, but like every yeah. Juilliard actor would die to have that fucking role and she's out there killing it. I, Basically, I yeah, there was some tweet that was like, Emma Stone, who's like untrained or minimally trained, is employing every technique that Ju- every Juilliard actor would love in that movie, Poor Things, yeah. and killing it. But I watched episode one of The Curse last night, fellas, because I knew we were talking today. Mm. And I, I got to say, for the first five minutes, I was like, oh, what are we doing here? But even by the end of the first one, though, I I, I was in the filmmaking, the, the discomfort and all that. But I completely forgotten about the penis talk from our pod to two pods ago or whatever, where you said that Nathan's little dink is in there. Yeah. And then the, the dad, the dad shows his dink in the mushroom area. Oh, no, the tomatoes. Yeah. he's growing tomatoes. Of course, I thought mushroom that caught me off guard and it made me laugh so hard. When they just because it, it's a it's a smash cut to a close up of him being Nathan Fielder and then it, and then it's a slow sort of the camera comes up to to the face but uh, I liked episode one but so please don't spoil more if we're going to talk about the curse maybe we can do a curse episode as time goes on uh, but I did enjoy episode one you guys are what episode six five six or something yeah whatever the most recent one is maybe two or three maybe three but I'm rewatching it so yeah attention. Does it hold up? Is it like, is it still great? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it okay. only gets better. It only gets better. And I will say, you know, we all love Nathan Fielder. Um, I couldn't really get through the rehearsal. I thought that was just like too weird, too awkward, too exploitative uh, for my taste. And this show, he really uh, finds a groove. 
because like I'm like, oh, he's actually a good actor. And 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 it's the perfect move, perfect show for him, perfect vehicle for him. And the way he plays off Emma Stone is is really good. And of course, like all the safety tricks with the, the soundtrack, especially, and the kind of filmmaking. Um, when you know, when they choose to kind of like shoot through a window or odd angles at times, it's a perfect mix between that with just like kind of classic good looking shots. It doesn't well, it doesn't come off like cheap documentary, it actually comes off like cinematic you know like there's a lot of there's a shaky cam stuff that happens in like indie cinema they don't fuck with that really at all they they find a different way to do it and another thing that a big safety brothers trick is hiring regular people and having them mingle with trained actors and that combination really gives like a weird authenticity to dialogue yeah i i did you do safety benny safety was on the talk easy podcast with sam fragosa did we all listen to that yes Uh, yeah, I did. That. And, um, you know, if you don't know anything about the Safety brothers, you know, they did Uncut Gems and they did another movie called Good Time. Is that what's called with Robert Pattinson? And they're, you know, around our age and, uh, you know, from New York City, they like basketball. So it feels like we're kindred spirits in some ways. One thing he said, which I really liked, which was just such a good lesson for me, especially for anybody who's doing creative things, is on set, he plays the role of the sound guy when he's, when they're filming. So if somebody else is even directing the scene and he wants to be closer to the action, he'll be like, I'll do the sound. I'll just hold up the microphone so I can, so I can know what's going on. I have a better feel for what's happening in the scene that if I'm on monitor world, you know, 20 yards away. And I don't, I think you might've shared this anecdote on a previous, on the last pod. Did I? Oh, sorry. You did. But I hate that bit of advice actually from him. Oh really? Why? Because if you're a filmmaker, who gives a shit about the micro facial expressions you're watching when you're so close because you're the sound guy? Because he really wanted to get so close to the action he could see what's going on. All that matters is what's on the screen. Look what you're actually seeing in frame. Nothing's worse than some asshole coming in and talking to a director. It's like, oh, no, no, that's not even actually happening. That's not in the shot. Her, We're actually shooting the back of her head. It's like, pay attention to what's on the monitor. Be close enough maybe where you can go up and just talk so you're not in a video village eight miles away so you can't even talk to them or you're talking or walkie-talkie to them but have a monitor and see what's going on that's the way to act i don't disagree with that and i get that like that is the perspective of the audience but i will say just like there is something about bucking convention that i think is interesting and um and i'll bring and 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 whatever kind of gets you closer to the creative and and allows conversations to happen more easily I think is useful. And sometimes there's like physical things. Like for instance, like I'm going in the studio today and this is a trick I learned a long time ago, but instead of setting me up in a sound booth to record my vocals, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit next to the engineer at the board table and I'm just going to sing into the microphone and we're going to be next to each other. And it's easier and, and more natural to have a conversation than like through a three rooms that separate us where, where I'm in a vocal booth. So I, I, I'm just interested in like, how do you shake up your normal work routine? And maybe we can end on this and I want to get your opinion on it. Uh, Bradley Cooper. I think there's a tweet uh, in our text group. He says he doesn't like chairs on set because it, as soon as you sit down, you lose the energy of, of like, you know, of what a set should feel like. And I was like, I totally agree. I think there's like, they're like sitting down is such a fucking killer. And I think there is like a frenetic energy when you have, when you're moving about, do you guys agree? Do you guys like that? 1000%. Yeah. I, uh, if I'm doing a phone call, 
I'm never sitting down. I'm walking, I'm pacing, my brain works. If I'm directing, yeah. I'm never sitting in that fucking seat. I only sit if I feel like I'm walking too much and I'm making people uncomfortable with my energy. But uh, yeah, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think run a set however you like. I mean, sometimes like with commercials, you know, we have a lot of clients that need to like, they want to watch the monitor for whatever reason, if you're doing, you know, you're making a commercial for a product or whatever. And I, it made me laugh the thought of telling them like, to keep the energy on set and to keep the creative going, it's like, you can't sit down. You know, you got some like 60 year old woman that like works for, you know, some butter company and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I feel like, um, yeah, hundred percent. Like energy is everything. And I think like vibes and the way you run a set really does um, um, affect the way that the collective can work and create. And I think that that's why, like, it's like anything. It's like if your direct manager at whatever office job you do has bad vibes, well, no one wants to fucking go to work. You know what I mean? And if you're a tyrant or, you know, I don't think Bradley Cooper saying we don't have chairs on my sets is insane. I think that's an interesting creative sort of like choice that changes the sort of mood of the set. And I think it's like, you know, when you're the boss, you get to run things however you like. And hopefully, especially for making something creative or anything, really, you get like-minded people, you know? So if it's people that are into that kind of energy, that's great. If you get a bunch of sort of like crew guys or teamsters or other creatives, bubble line people that are like, this is fucking pretension. What are we doing here? Blah, blah, blah. There's probably not people that are going to help get the ship where it needs to get uh, and get your vision to where it needs to go. So I think it's a good way of also sussing out sort of certain uh, vibes that maybe you don't want as a part of the team anyway. I say give people chairs who want to sit. And if you don't want to sit, don't sit. But, you know, everyone needs to be treated differently. But I, I did. I started that film yesterday, Maestro, excitedly, because I actually thought it was going to be really good. And? Bordering on unbearable in a way. So he does this thing where he's trying to don't catch- say anything more. Don't say anything more. No, no. I think we can all agree this, though, that maybe if they maybe had some chairs on set, it could have maybe gone a little bit. No, Max, I'm not going to say anything about the plot or anything. Okay. No, I'm just going to say one point. Can I? Yeah. About it. It's literally not about the plot. It's literally Take my about. Off. Go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> they do a thing that I do not like when when in direction, which is to add realism. They have too many people talking over each other. So the whole movie, people talk over each other mm -hmm. to a point that it feels artificial because you can see what they're trying to do to create realism. It's this synthetic, converse, natural conversational style, which does not work at all. And it's going to drive you insane, Max. You know, what's interesting about that, too, is it's like some people might not even notice. But now that you've mentioned it, it's all they're going to see. So it's good that Max took his headphones off. I, I Are you done? Notice I cannot notice it sometimes. Like movies do it, and you know, sometimes you don't notice it. Woody Allen movies. He does it every single line of dialogue. Every single line is taught. You cannot not notice it. I'm I'm telling you, it's impossible. Yeah. But yeah, Max, okay. I just talked about literally uh nothing. Yeah, I turned down the volume. Yeah, you were back. Ready. All right, Max is back. So irritating because I told you it was not about. No, anything. you started talking about some camera techniques, and that's it wasn't funny for me. <laughs> it wasn't about anything to do with anything. It was just in movies in general. I hate when dialogue overlaps. That's it, guys. Last question. Hit us. You know, unrelated to this, but uh, like sort it. of reminded me of walking around, and you know, it's the holidays. We're home. We're thinking of our community. And I was reading this article about Windsor, Ontario, and how there's not enough people downtown. And mm. there's like, we just need more density, much more action downtown. And obviously, think about Hamilton, about like, you just want more, more people around. Okay. You know, you know, everyone likes it like a street fair. You know, everybody's just like, yes, we like to go to a street fair. This, the, the streets mm -hmm. are closed. And you just, totally. 
you don't have to buy anything. You just are just walking around. Like half, yeah. I'd say most of the time I've ever been to street fair, I haven't bought one thing. I just like walking around. Yeah. And I think people like to see their neighbors. I think it's just like a nice thing to like, and see faces and people watching. That's one of the great things about, especially if you're like in downtown Toronto, just like there's so many people just like to look at. What if the city of Hamilton was like, hey, every Wednesday, it's gonna from, we're just gonna something called walk your block. From five to eight on Wednesday evenings, just walk around. Nowhere, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to do anything. We're not closing in the streets. It's costing everybody zero dollars. But we just want you to leave your fucking house, go for a walk with a friend or your partner or your kids, and just walk and just see how that feels. Do you think people would say, fuck you, you fucking asshole? Or do you think they'd uh, think it's a nice idea? Because I think that might be the start of the idea that, like, you know, walking around is kind of a nice thing. You say one day a week? Yeah, yeah, five to eight. Just start there. Just say, hey, Wednesdays is the Hamilton Walk Your Block Day. Just see how that feels. And that might encourage people to do it a little bit more often. Free I like I like it. I like that idea. Honestly, like if so, if somehow walk your block, like I think about my neighborhood and if there was like a Wednesday, people aren't going to do it every week. They're just not. They're not. They're not. People get busy. Like I can't even do shit I want to do every week. Like, so that is difficult. Here in Hamilton, we have a thing called Art Crawl. We have a thing called Super Crawl. We have yeah. the Barton Street Festival. So they have sort of like, but your point, there's vendors. There's all, it's a bit of a to do. They shut down streets. So I like the idea of like this sort of non-heavy lift just being around other people saying oh hey so and so hey you know uh but will i actually at six o'clock on wednesday night every wednesday make a point of doing it i I don't know what do you think shane uh yeah it's it's like a lot of things it's kind of like this the scarcity creates crowds and interests so art crawl works because it happens once a month Super crawl works because it happens maybe twice a year. I don't, I don't know, maybe once a year. It, it'll just become a thing that no one does, especially Canada's tough for walking, if that's the thing, because it's so fucking cold between January and March. Yeah. That's but if the, it was from uh, April to November. Yeah, I, I don't mind the, the idea, but something like, weren't you trying to solve the Windsor's, Windsor's problem? Well, I mean, it's just related to a lot of like cities that feel kind of empty sometimes. Windsor's problem is it has nothing going on. So create something. <laughs> in the, um, Hamilton actually has shit where you can go to like see an interesting thing. Like maybe what if Arkells do a show every <laughs> Wednesday in Windsor? It's called Rock the Block. I'm trying to suggest free ideas. That's a very expensive idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, obviously they can't afford it but no yeah. of course not <laughs> uh, okay. no, I, I like the idea though i definitely i, I and i'm a walker myself so anything about walking is like to me it's the best exercise you can do yeah oh we didn't even talk about our fucking pub crawl listen there's too much going on speaking uh, of walking okay let, let's go let's do another one soon because oh. i gotta go to the studio yeah. okay so remind steph tolev shane's wearing the shirt she's a comedian canadian comedian and we'll talk about the pub crawl if you remember yeah. anything and oh, i right. also have to do a tribute to my good friend bert yes okay i want yeah we'll save that for next episode okay yep all right next episode guys you got something to look forward to thank you so much for listening obviously as always thank you to nathan nash thank you to manager ash and uh hopefully we get you another one real soon with all those things we just mentioned guys great hang maybe the best hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 